0: Okay, so before we start, we have to say something, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure we have to say this, but I'm not sure. <laughs> not sure, sure. We'll see. Um, this is not financial advice, and neither of us hold any current positions in Tesla stock. I should say I have been both short and long Tesla at different points, but
1: I'm not currently, why are you looking at me like this that? This is so, okay, boring. Alright, first of all, this is financial advice. No, this is not, no! Yes, no. this is financial <laughs> advice. I'm a licensed financial no, advisor. you're you not. Know, you you know. Yes, I am. Not in America, but you can get <laughs> licensed in other countries for financial advice. It's a worldwide economy. you a
0: Unitarian financial advisor.
1: <laughs> yes, it's a globalist kind of thing. Yes, I am a financial advisor in, in parts of Sri Lanka that oh I haven't been disbarred from and i i'm not telling you if i have any positions in tesla what a position is where you hold stock
0: yeah or okay.
1: options uh, i definitely don't i have one share of one stock and it's not in tesla i'm not telling you what it's in but it's not in tesla and here's the thing i am giving you a financial advice liz is not giving you financial <laughs> advice so think of this as a little angel on the shoulder and a little devil on the shoulder which one is which
0: well i'm the angel no wait you're the angel.
1: Elon Musk Elon Musk the Elon Musk Elon Musk Hello Breeze. Hi, Liz. How you doing? <laughs> Dude, you can't keep... We can't keep doing this. So here, here's, what? what's uh, well, no, here's what's been going on. I'm not allowed to laugh? Well, no. Because here's what's been going on. Oh, my on. God. We've been trying to do this intro. Every time Liz starts it out with high brace, and then I say something back to her, and she gets mad at me. Wait, I just
0: laughed. Yeah. I just... Because you make me laugh, and now you're saying that it's... I was saying something bad, so it's bad when I'm I I'm not interested
1: in these flirtations. Oh, my God. I'm here to talk about a really serious matter. But first... We're going to introduce ourselves. (laughs) Hi, everyone. I'm Liz. Hi. My name is Brace. We're joined here but I'm trying to sound so professional right now. I
0: don't know. Why are you doing that? Because we're in a
1: fucking studio, dude. What do you want me to do? Uh, There's like soundproofing here and shit. (laughs) Yeah. I'm trying to sound professional. There's a machine. There's like five machines over there. That is a
0: serious machine. That's
1: a fucking serious machine. Which is being sat in front of by producing? <laughs> you, so you like this? Say this is prof- This is how a pro does it. I know. Which is being sat in front of by fucking Young Chomsky and the podcast of which we're all members of is called Truanon. Look at that little baby Rogan. Yeah, fuck you.
0: <laughs> well, Brace just spilled the beans and guess what, everyone? We're in the same room. Yeah, the three of us. Mm-hmm.
1: We uh, we are we are in a. This is bunker like.
0: I mean, these walls are padded, which yeah. I don't know if that's for our safety or for sound. <laughs> sound yeah, sound safety. Uh,
1: are yeah, they're made out of fingernails. It's fucking disgusting, <laughs> but it's like a it's like a sort of different like hippie kind of soundproofing thing. No, they're normal. Um, we're we're gathered here today to talk about something that Liz hasn't been able to shut the fuck up about for the entire time that. I've known her and the company has existed.
0: So this is our first episode in our series on Elon Musk and Tesla. The The lamest lamest show on on earth. Earth. The title is an obvious reference, hopefully obvious reference, to P.T. Barnum's famous uh, three-ring circus. And if you're asking, are we comparing Elon Musk to one of the most famous uh, fraudster, carnival barkers? populist celebrity entrepreneurs, hucksters. Uh the answer is yes. <laughs> it's quite intentional. Um this is kind of a passion project for me. Um I've been really obsessed <laughs> with Tesla for a long time. Um I think at least since I don't know, I think around twenty eighteen, which is a pivotal year for the company, um, and one that we get to in uh, the third episode of the series. Uh, my dad actually introduced Tesla to me, not for the cars, but for the sort of insanity and, and the very much the three-ring circus that was surrounding this company. Um, he's the one who kind of pointed me towards these guys that I want to give a shout-out to um, before we kind of like even get into this. And these are the guys at the Tesla Q community, uh, Tesla Q standing for kind of when a stock goes all the way to zero and has to be kind of like taken out of the the stock market. They put a Q at the end of the ticker for the for the stock. So Tesla Q meaning these guys are predicting that the stock will go to zero. Um, these are guys like Montana Skeptic, Machine Planet, Tesla Charts, and they've done a really fantastic job uh, documenting the wide variety of Elon Musk antics and the kind of bizarre machinations of this company. But we're going to get into all that uh, in a little bit. I want to say, too, that something we've said about Epstein, um, which is kind of the locus of our show, is that we can kind of use him as a lens through which to understand or kind of view um, larger networks of power and influence, and in the way certain things operate around the world. And for me, trying to take a step back and understand the story of Tesla and Musk feels the same. Like, it is one of those instances where it feels like if I can just understand this story, I can get to the heart of something, something about the way that our political economy works and the way that the stock market works and, and the kind of transformation that's occurred, I think, since 2008 in the kind of corporate landscape and the way that our government funds, fuels innovation, the way that marketing works, the way that social media works. Tesla, The story of Tesla touches all of this. And I was going back through the archives looking at a lot of uh, Tesla footage, early kind of press, and um, I saw the, this, like, 60 Minutes bit that they did. Um, it was about, you know, the future of the electric car. And it's not a coincidence that that, which was Tesla's, like, first major mainstream news spot, aired on primetime television just two days after Congress passed emergency legislation in response to the financial crisis. A uh, collapse of Lehman Brothers was happening, and they were establishing the TARP program, which was granting the Treasury the power to purchase those like troubled assets off those big institutional players, off their balance sheets. And it's at this very moment that central banks across the globe are moving swiftly to take total control over all of the troubled financial powerhouses, and currencies are collapsing, and markets are suspending trading, and national governments are saying that they'll guarantee deposits because they're anticipating bank runs. And so, you know, the rise of Tesla is, in fact, intimately intertwined with the story of the quote-unquote American recovery, and it's really difficult to tell one without the other. You know, there's the companies near bankruptcy in 2008 and all the tumultuous years into 2010. You've got the social media-fueled war and these, like, digital citizen auditors. (laughs) And then the triumph with their inclusion into the S&P just last year, which is an achievement itself powered by basically boatloads of laundered regulatory credits. Tesla, in little more than a decade, has gone from basically the brink of collapse to allegedly the most valuable car company in history, grafting itself onto those very same institutional (laughs) investors that the government sucked the toxic assets out of just days before Leslie Stahl is driving the Roadster in downtown Palo Alto. At this point, Tesla, like most American companies, is mostly a stock company that Also, sometimes allegedly produces things rather than a car company that is publicly traded. And it's this inversion or this transformation that is actually Musk's only real innovation in the market. And it would be wrong to say that it's not a good one. It has made a lot of people very, 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 very rich, not least of whom is Elon himself, of course. And it means that this company, Tesla, is now basically too big to fail, when it never had to succeed, a zombie company that has never even lived. And at the center of all of this is Elon Musk, the carnival barker himself, the man keeping the plates spinning, jumping from vine to vine, making sure that the music never stops. And he's such a fascinating figure because I, just, I don't think there's anyone who doesn't have an opinion about Elon. I mean, is there?
1: Doubtful, no. I think Elon Musk is unique among his kind of cohort at the top of the financial ladder, right? You know, he's one of the richest guys in the world, but most people, unless they have a general... Opinion on rich guys, whether they love them or hate them, don't really have an opinion on most of the other ones, right? Mm. Like, uh, Jeff Bezos is probably the one who people complain about or love the most, mm. uh, next to next to Elon Musk, but it, it doesn't even compare, right? Like
0: I, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean,
1: Elon Musk is somebody that it fascinates, repulses, attracts, and uh, enrages a mm. lot of different people.
0: Yeah, and I mean, like, staunch defenders and then, like, staunch... Like anti, yeah, like or like, and crusaders against. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. The the sort of like vitriol that he inspires, and the kind of cult like devotion, at the same time, is like completely and totally unique in I think the American landscape. I mean, people often compare Tesla to Theranos and Enron, but neither of those companies, I think, inspired the sort of um, like crowdsourced citizen activist and even beyond like citizen auditor that the Tesla Q community um, has become. And it, it's a really just unbelievable phenomenon. And there's so, I mean, that's just one aspect of what makes the rise of Tesla and, and the place that Elon Musk holds so unique, I think, even in American business history.
1: So what we're trying to do here. Is well, we're trying to do a few things here. One, we're trying to ruin the life, reputation, and business of a mentally retarded man from South Africa. But more importantly, we're tr- we're, we're we're really going to tell the story a- as well as we can tell it of the electric car of California environmentalism meeting California consumerism, uh, and of a company that embodies so many different things about our truly stupid and fucked up country and economic system uh and a guy in fact the guy who leads all of that so we're doing three different episodes here and we're focusing on in a somewhat linear way uh in fact i would say admirably linear way uh on uh, several parallel but eventually intersecting storylines here oh my God. Here. Um, episode one, which is the episode that you are contractually obligated to finish today, uh, the one that you're listening to, uh, we're going to tell a little story about California environmentalism, about, uh, the invention of the electric car, about chiropractors, um, a lot of chiropractors in there, the lost city of Kalahari, uh, and, uh, and Elon Musk's emergence from the cocoon that is South Africa. I actually feel really weird calling South Africa a cocoon, and uh, I'm just going to keep talking and hope you listen to something else I say and forget that I just said that. But the cocoon (laughs) of South Africa that uh, Elon Musk emerges to become a butterfly in California. Episode 2, we're telling the rise of, uh, well... The haphazard rise and the backstabbing that occurred in Elon Musk's early career as he clawed his way to the top like the true s- m- sinews and muscles tiger that he is uh, to his involvement with Tesla and his really tragic you know, coming very close to losing it all. Some about his love life, uh, the really wonderful story of Solar City, and uh, I mean, it's just a truly incredible company. I mean, we're, our laptops are powered by it right now, uh, and uh, and unfortunately, his divorce and uh, the American government's uh, intercessions with all of this. And episode three is where Liz's mental illness really takes over. Um, because episode one, episode two, you're like, oh, well, this guy is, you know, he's going through life. He's doing these companies. He's, you know, blah, blah, blah. What's the point? Well, episode three, sweetheart, is that's where we're going to tell you what it's like to be locked inside of a burning Tesla while your electronic door handles do not open. And you're slowly consumed by flames from your poorly made battery. Uh, But we're going to talk about the cars and some of the problems with them. We're going to delve pretty deeply into the Tesla Q stuff. And I think by then we should have the ability to show you that Tesla is not just a car company. It's not a startup modeled as a car company. It is a stock company that sells shitty fucking cars made by a completely insane person that is for some fucked up reason able to hold a gun to the head of the American economy. And if it falls or, you know, moves or you do one of these badass kung fu things where you try to kick the gun out of its hand and it goes off, then uh, then your pension, actually you don't have a pension, your dad's pension <laughs> is fucked, retirement, Bam, out the window, and everything falls apart. Because what we're saying here is Tesla is now, unfortunately, like it or not, an integral, a very integral part of the American economy. And uh, and you should be very aware of, 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 of what that means.
0: You know, he comes from this long tradition that, you know, he himself is not American, but he, there's something about him that is very American, Elon, which yeah. is that he is this immigrant who becomes this kind of like evangelizing carnival barker yeah and it's unbelievable what he's built it you know it is it's an incredible show
1: So something people won't shut the fuck up about, or haven't been able to shut the fuck up about, rather, for the past five years is populism, right? I mean, it's like everywhere. Yeah. And, you know, you know, Bernie's a populist. Oh, is Hillary Clinton anti-populist? Donald Trump is a populist. From what I gather, being a populist, according to a lot of these people, is if you're kind of like wrinkly, old, you yell a lot, you know, (laughs) got your coworkers like it. And I, I would have to say, Donald Trump, okay, just uh, another porcine fucking moron in a history of porcine fucking morons in this country, in a country of porcine fucking morons. Elon Musk, I think, is, is, this, is, this is something I've really been digging. Elon Musk, to me, is much more of a populist than any of mm. these guys. Because the thing is, is a lot of people don't want to admit, is Liz, you hit the nail on the head earlier. He's read it. And mm. in 2021, populism? is fucking reddit yeah and he's here to impress you to get you fucking on it you know on his side he's like supposedly allegedly the richest man in the world yeah
0: citation needed exactly
1: (laughs) but he's gonna make you rich too and he's standing up for the little guy and all this kind of bullshit and so i would have to say and this has been a long held position on this podcast populism no i I don't care for it Mm. uh uh, if he was a Maoist, a billionaire, okay, maybe uh, maybe we'll talk in a different tune here. Uh, but Elon Musk, absolutely, 100%, is a populist. And to be a populist, you got to be a little bit of a clown. Part of
0: his populist mythos, too, is the kind of, um, the image that he's built for himself. And this is, like, something key that I think both of us really want to drive home. Like, people really want uh it to be true that like elon we're gonna reveal some kind of secret cia background and oh he's from south africa so that means that his family is tied up in the apartheid state and oh he's gonna coup bolivia and he's this super serious crazy no that's what elon wants you to believe (laughs) Yeah, Elon would love nothing more for you to think that he's some evil genius, nightmare billionaire, that he's Lex Luthor, that he's Iron Man. In Mm -hmm. fact, that's like a big part of his fucking brand.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's not. No, 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 no. In fact, his background... I will say is so much better than that <laughs> if Elon Musk's dad was like a colonel in the apartheid uh, you know army and was you know fucking going around killing people, enslaving people, and his whole family was like this you know these diamond miners, et cetera, mm. you know I think that would that would be very pat for people, but very the, sexy, they're sexy yeah very sexy his His actual family background is well, there's a few kinks in the back of it um. <laughs> I want to be clear here that, uh, if you are a practitioner or a follower or a devotee of the black magic and anti-scientific, uh, doctrine of chiropractic chiropractic, <laughs> chiropractics, uh... Freaking trigger warning, bitch! I'm about to blow your fucking mind. <laughs> you are gonna blow their back out. Uh, so I, I want to be clear here. I want to be totally upfront with you, Liz. Mm. Uh, Elon Musk grandmother or great grandmother was the first chiropractor in Canada. Yeah, you told. Me, yeah, I know this. In, in dispute, I know, but I want. I want to be like really, really upfront with you. If you Google her, mm. if you Google first chiropractor in Canada, you get this bitch's name. Okay. Yeah. I don't mean to call you a bitch. Well, no, you're a chiropractor. Uh, Elon Musk isn't South African in the way that I think a lot of people think he's South African. No, he's Canadian. He's fucking Canadian. He's (laughs) fucking Canadian, man. (laughs)
0: I mean, he's not, but he's,
1: he's like half Canadian, basically. Exactly. His mom's from Canada, you know, and it's like, just like Judaism. If your mom's Canadian, you're also Canadian. Yeah. So Elon Musk is named after his great grandfather, John Elon Hadleman, which makes a lot of sense. I feel like Elon is the kind of thing you'd be named in, you know, like the 1800s. Mm. It's not really a modern day name.
0: I think people just literally assumed it was some weird South African name.
1: Yeah. 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 It's not. It's a, it's
0: the middle name of a Canadian chiropractor.
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, he was married to Almeida Hadelman, and they gave birth to a guy named Joshua Norman Hadelman. This is this is sort of the connecting link between the origins of Canadian uh, chiropractic. It's ne- necromancy, essentially. <laughs> it's a black art. I mean, you, you, it should be banned. Uh, this guy, Joshua Norman Hadelman, who was, as he tells it, a farmer who lost everything to the banks and had to turn to the old family <laughs> tradition of becoming a chiropractor in Canada. Uh, he was also, uh, like many people, uh, you know, these days and those days, interested in politics. Um, his interest in politics were maybe a little... Uh, stranger than some people's, but no different than many of these polyamorous DSA types.
0: Well, wait, so this is like the 1920s, 1930s? It is indeed. Well, we're talking strange politics. Uh, yes. <laughs> what are we talking about?
1: Well, you and I were talking earlier today, uh, when we were basking in the sun like little lizards mm-hmm. uh, that, uh... That the 60s and the 30s have a lot in common in this sort of these explosions of political uh, expression, you could Mm. say. But whereas the 60s, I don't know, I'm just taking credit for what you said earlier. Mm. Uh,
0: Oh, that the 60s were kind of this like very sort of diffused, decentralized, kind of the beginning of what we would call like network politics. Whereas the 30s you really see the kind of the last grasp or last stand of the kind of like great man, like authority kind of politics. Yeah, Obviously the expression in fascism, but this guy, this guy was, he was into something called the, like technocracy movement.
1: Uh, it's actually uh, well, there's the technocracy movement, but the actual organization. I'm doing the, my technocrat voice. Yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, The actual organization is called Technocracy Incorporated. So, okay, yes, this, this sa- is this sounds fake. It does sound fake that uh, Elon Musk's grandfather was the research director for the Canadian branch of Technocracy Incorporated, <laughs> which made all of its members wear gray suits, uh, drive gray cars, give talks in front of gray bands. And there's some really fantastic pictures of the youth movement who look like they're uh, in craft work.
0: Um, it's- <gasps> what was up with the 30s and everyone like everyone's political clubs made like everyone had to wear like a co- everyone had a color shirt.
1: Well, well, we'll get to that in just a couple of seconds because he actually was in the green shirts as oh well, God. too. Well, the green shirts. OK, I want So Liz is right. A- a- in the 30s, everyone's like, we need a shirt. <laughs> right? We got the black shirts. Yeah. We got the blue shirts. I think that was the Irish one. Okay. Uh, well, I think they had a couple of different color shirts. We got the brown shirts. Oh, famous. Oh yeah, yeah. Most famous shirt. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a lot of South American countries. I think we covered this in one of the Spider Network uh, episodes. There were shirts down there too. Everyone's got their own little shirt. There's only so many fucking colors. And this is before uh, everyone became like an art school Nazi. Like like I'm like an esoteric like yeah. you know posting shit. On no, Instagram they were all just real Nazis. They said. were real Nazis. I'm like you losers. Um, but uh, but. But there was a movement called the Green Shirts, and I, I listen for those who are familiar with the Kibbo Kift. I don't have enough time to get into that right now. Okay. Liz has forbidden it as a practice of dark magic, but we can get to the social credit movement maybe in another episode. In it, in it, the the give it the respect it deserves. But uh, but from Technocracy Incorporated, Hadelman goes into the Green Shirts, aka well, which became the Social Credit Party in Canada. Um, it is a modeled along the lines of Xi Jinping thought uh no i'm just kidding the social credit movement is basically uh nerds armed well not literally armed but armed as nerds militant nerds uh they have a strange system of beliefs that i i really am too stupid to get into so you're
0: telling me that elon musk comes from a long line of militant nerds who are also chiropractors correct yes (laughs) Okay.
1: Uh, And, and, you know, in fact, his grandfather, Hadelman, goes to jail over being a nerd because at the beginning of World War II, the technocracy incorporated was banned because of the vociferous anti-communism, like, don't join the war on the side of the whatever. And he actually was one of the few members to go to jail for it. Mm. Uh, When he gets out, he becomes uh, national chairman for the Social Credit Party, or the SoCreds, as they were sometimes called. Uh, I mean, they they really deserve, again, an episode unto themselves, but it's basically... Basically, like, a sort of conservative MMT UBI, with way more complicated than that. Um, But, you know, something I found really fascinating about them, and I would actually compare it to a lot of people that have been rude to me in my life, is that they were anti-Semitic.
0: Yeah, he had a weird obsession with something called the Elders of Zion.
1: (laughs) oh yeah 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 <laughs> can you
0: explain to uh li- is there anyone who doesn't know who that what that Henry, is bro-
1: dude all right so if you don't know what the protocols of the elders of zion <laughs> everything you've been told about it is a lie it fucking really happened they're trying to suppress the truth no the protocols of the elders of zion was a forgery made by the Okhrana, the russian secret police uh in the early 20th century it was based on i think of something by machiavelli um yeah. And uh, it was like Conversations with the Devil or something. It's based on a work by Machiavelli. And uh, it it takes place in a graveyard in Vienna. And it is essentially a group of elders of Zion, Jews, uh, Jewish, Jewish leaders, who are describing their plan to take over society from behind the scenes. The forgery is a huge hit everybody for some reason believes it which like i gotta say okay i get it's like 1910 you don't have like a lot of fucking like contextual yeah, no clues. Google. but it's like if i'm reading this thing i'm like what this guy's just in the bushes the whole time and listening to this i mean this is crazy yeah uh but it was widely exposed as a forgery there's a famous court case in switzerland that, yeah, uh, that, yeah. that basically proved it as such
0: um well Hadelman he uh acknowledged that it was fake but mm-hmm. this is what he said he said it doesn't matter that it's fake if it's true that's literally what he argued, and used that as an argument to read it into uh, into the parliamentary record, I believe.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was, we actually, we, we, we found quite a few quotes from, from, from him sort of defending his anti-Semitism in, uh, Liz, what was the paper you found? It was like, anti-Semitism in the Social Credit Party. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's like, he said, the point is that the plan as outlined in these protocols has been rapidly unfolding in the period of observation of this
1: generation. Yes, and he he says the socialists uh, in Canada have been putting too many Jews in high positions. Mm. And uh, so uh, obviously they're the real anti-Semites because they're making the protocols of elders of Zion real, which, okay, fair enough. So he runs for, uh, for for office a couple of times on the social credit party line. He fails to get elected, unfortunately. Mm. Uh, and, uh, and he takes up a well, – he, well, he's still involved heavily. And by the way, the man – I, I didn't mention this earlier, but I, I, I'd I be remiss if I didn't. He spent all of World War II trying to get uh, chiropractors recognized as doctors by the Canadian Army. I want to be clear here. During World War II, the Allies, of which Canada was a very small and insignificant part who took, play, who took part in zero battles, and the D-Day thing is fake, that's post-war Canadian propaganda— um, he was trying to injure their soldiers in the fight against fascism by giving them one chiropractic thing that feels really good, mm. and then like for two weeks later for free, and then two yeah, weeks yeah, later yeah. like, oh, my back's all fucked up from being in like, oh, uh, like Normandy or whatever, and then being like, oh, actually, it's like a hundred bucks now, and you have to go forever because I permanently Oh, are you up suggesting back. that this is some kind of Ponzi scheme? Uh, Chiropracting is the biggest Ponzi scheme. It's a physical Ponzi scheme with your back. Am I right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. I got the fucking. I mean, he, you know, he's like a guy who always has to go to the doctor and stuff. Um, it is, uh, it is for small for a small dick. So it, uh, it, 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 don't you can't cut any of this because I'm saying something really important here. Um, you know, he, he, this guy is a chiropractic freak, right? He's always yeah. he's in like the head of the chiropractic boards. Literally, I found out most of this information. You know where I found it out from two different chiropractic websites. Chiropractic—that's even how you say it. I'm going insane. Here's the thing. The guy gets obsessed with the fact that Coca-Cola drove his friend insane.
0: Yeah. at this He said, you know what he said? What? He said, hey... That Coca Cola company hates me, but I'll still keep drinking that garbage.
1: Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Hadelman's friend, because back then they still had co- cocaine in Coca Cola. Now it's in only an RC. But cola. He
0: literally was addicted to Coca Cola. Yes.
1: So he, yeah, his friend, his friend drank twenty cokes a day, and as is described, <laughs> went insane because he's fucking drinking Coke. That rocks. Uh, unfortunately, Hadelman... While he may technically be a doctor, he's actually not a doctor of medicine because he's a chiropractor, which is really fucked up that they can call themselves doctors and lie to people like that. But he like saw his friend going insane. He's like, actually, there's nothing I can do to help you because the only thing I can actually do that's related to my medicine is actually hurt you. And so I'm sorry, you're insane. But he wages a war with a few other people trying to get Coca-Cola basically banned or get people to stop mm. drinking Coke, one of the people he's waging this war alongside, one of his cohort, falls out of a window, founder of the White Helmet style, okay, a- and dies, and it, in a suicide, maybe, I don't know. But Hadelman's like, oh, the agents of Coca-Cola are, are after me. I have to flee the country. And he leaves with his family to South Africa.
0: Wait, Breeze, can you do a South African accent?
1: Sith all right, I'm trying to... Because South Africans sound like... um, And no disrespect, because South African chicks are insanely fine. Uh, So if you're listening to this, don't listen to this next part. Like, do the... On the Apple podcast thing, hit like 15 seconds ahead. South African people sound like... uh, Let's say, let's say, an Australian couple had a baby at like age sixty, and the baby came out, and the, uh, the accent that that baby would have is the, all- the South African accent. Oh my god! Uh, so I can't do that because I already said the R word earlier, and I don't want to get in trouble f- f- more because it'll look like I didn't just do it by mistake. So now uh, that
0: Schumer said it, all bets are
1: all off. all bets are fucking off. <laughs> um, so yeah, he moved to, so. Okay, so we're in South Africa. In, we've made it to we, South Africa. We are not in South Africa. I want to be clear here. Uh, but okay, yeah, okay. we've, we've story wise, we've made it to South Africa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and of course, the man immediately takes up his crime career of scene, practicing ch- chiropractic being a chiropractor (laughs) we're gonna have to really phrase these (laughs) well uh being he takes up his criminal career of being a chiropractor there we go okay um but he takes up another little hobby too flying and not just flying this flying in search of the lost city of kalahari (laughs) now you might be like brace why the fuck is your pod- like? Why why is your part of the podcast like dumb and Liz's part is smart? Uh, here's the thing, I'm doing a history thing right here about a real lost city, so please don't fucking be a dick to me. <laughs>
0: This is kind of ancient alien
1: style, i got to say.
0: It's real. Though. I mean, the lo- okay, it's not real. But no, but this did really happen. This
1: really did happen. And this was actually a huge part. I mean, we looked at those pictures of, of, of the musk. Yeah, yeah, great pictures. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, well, we'll, very, talk about yeah that. we'll talk about that later. But, but this is real. I mean, Handelman was obsessed with finding something called the Lost City of Kalahari. Uh, In the Kalahari Desert. Okay, what is this thing? Okay, so, uh, well, all right. Uh, Spoiler alert, the lost city of Kalahari appears to be some just, like, strange-looking rocks in the desert. Um, So there's no city? There is, well, it's lost, but no, not... Okay, he didn't find a city. Technically, is there a city? No. But could there be? We don't know. I mean, we, there's a lot of things. No. Okay, it's fake. But 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 uh, for a while, people did think it was real before. Again, people were really stupid back then, and this was not even that long ago. Um, the lost city of Kalahari, a lost city of the Kalahari Desert, I should say, was first discovered by a man named the Great Farini not his real name. Uh he was a in different parts of his life a union spy, a tightrope performer, including I believe across Niagara Falls, mm. uh a circus explorer, come ex- oh, excuse me, circus performer, come explorer uh who had a somewhat interesting family. At one point he adopted an orphan. He kept doing this and you know, I think he actually like basically engaged in kidnapping at certain points in his career. Uh, But he adopted a young boy who he may dress up as a girl. I can see where you all think this is going, but it was just to exploit him as a circus slave Uh, and engage in like a a high, like an acrobatic duo with him, boy and a girl. Uh, He also taught that, that the boy to do photography Mm. and, uh, and then took him eventually when he became an explorer on these expeditions they were in the kalahari desert they take some pictures of some rocks they go back display them at the royal geographic society i believe the Royal geographic society and the in a subsequent book the myth of the lost city of the kalahari desert was born those photos are available online they're cool to look They're at. They're very beautiful. Yeah, very beautiful photos. Yeah, yeah in fact, very like talented photographer. Talented photographer because he was an acrobat, and so he could climb to all these different places that people usually would oh, go. You get the angles exactly. Makes sense. Uh He also adopted, and by adopted, I mean he had kidnapped from the country mm. of Laos. Uh, a young girl with hypertrichosis.
0: That's also how celebrities uh, define adoption. Exactly,
1: exactly. Although they wouldn't adopt a bearded lady child like he did and then display her as, like, the missing link. Well, Mio Farrow did. <laughs> and he also invented a human cannonball, which is where you put a person in a can. I found
0: that detail very,
1: very cool. Yeah, I do that's think that's a, very, that's a real invention. I, I, that's fucked up that he invented that. But
0: you know what else is strange? kind of invented late.
1: Yeah. Yeah, cuz I would have done that like the week after cannons were invented. Mm, yeah, I mean, maybe they tried. <laughs> well, anyways, this 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 grab bag of this basically this fabulist, right? Because mm obviously, he probably wasn't a union spy. He definitely was a tightrope performer, but clearly, he was a promoter, and Mm. that's really what he was, right? The man's name, I believe, was something like William. It was definitely not the great Farini. Uh, He moved to Germany and then wrote a 30-volume uh a set of books about germany's perspective during world war one none of my business but but again the man is like a circus guy right yeah and this is what musk's grandfather becomes obsessed with finding He takes 12 expeditions with his fucked up family and uh never finds it month-long expeditions and also i believe kills a lion now wh- how big is his family at this point he's got five he's got scott he's got lynn He's got Kay, he's got May, Elon's mother, and he's got Angkor Lee. I'm sorry, Sorry, wait. What's the last one? Angkor. Uh, So my guess here is that the mom got to name the four normal kids, and then the dad is like, "Uh, well, uh, can I name one? And so he names his kid Angkor Lee. And Angkor Uh Lee, yeah.
0: Okay, wait, but it sounds that sounds a little familiar. Why would that sound familiar to me, Brace? Well,
1: I mean, I'm assuming because of his <laughs> lust for the lost city, <laughs> he probably was interested in other ancient ruin kind of places, and clearly named his kid after Angkor Wat. However, if you look <laughs> at his at Angkor's, because he's still alive, his website, mm. uh, he's like some kind of consultant in uh, in, in I believe Toronto. Uh, he makes it very clear that he's named after Angkor Wat and not the. Uh, for the first two years of the Communist Party at Kampuchea after they took over Cambodia, mm. uh, they only refer to themselves as Angkor Yeah, yeah, and he yeah. makes it very clear over like not about the Khmer Rouge like 10 paragraphs That he's has no connection to the Khmer Rouge
0: Imagine like that starting off every professional Interaction yeah with no I have nothing to do with the Khmer Rouge
1: exactly. Yeah, yeah, I actually I, Honestly due to my political beliefs. I find I have to do that quite often
0: Okay, so now we are finally, Elon Musk dead.
1: Yes. So, Errol Musk has a little less sexy of a background. In fact, it's pretty difficult to find out much about it. I mean, I, I find
0: him very interesting.
1: Yes. Yeah. It, it, whatever his parents did, I think his dad was like a sergeant. It it, it pales in comparison to uh, to Errol himself, who, mm. by the way, has killed three people. Um just figured i should mention that kind yeah. of up front you know just
0: get it out of the way first. yeah 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 it's like so we it's can like, move on we oh, can move sorry forward. like
1: i know i told you i was like six two but like i'm actually <laughs> six four which is braces real height. like you know that kind of thing yeah yeah yeah. um yeah er- errol is uh he's a swashbuckling figure not to compare him to the uh, only other famous errol <laughs> flynn <laughs> <laughs> And in fact, you know, that whole, like, uh, history we just gave you of the mom's side of the family, mm. uh, Errol actually tells that in interviews as his family's history.
0: This is very weird. Yeah. So, Errol is married to May. We yes. mentioned May. Hadelman's daughter. Yes. Not the one affiliated with the Khmer Rouge.
1: And actually, I'll be real with you, he did a pretty baller move to get her to marry him. He went and asked her to to marry him. She said mm. no. She was away at college uh long distance lines in south africa were not great at that point so you'd have to tend to telegram he goes back to the town where they grew up together and he tells her parents that she agreed to it (laughs) by the way (laughs) don't do that i want to no i want to i want to tell you fucking listeners a little something i read fucking may's biography about being a silver-haired uh mature model Mm. so fuck you I learned that anecdote. I don't even. I think from there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they marry, and he immediately starts beating her up. He's a bad what? fucking guy. Yeah. Oh, dude! I like, didn't know that. Day one is like abusive and Oof. insane to her. I mean, he is a piece of shit, and it's it's unclear too what Errol's job is. He's wealthy. Uh, and he sort of describes himself as an engineer. Um, his LinkedIn has a picture of himself, clearly from 25 years ago. Uh,
0: yeah, he is like o- his own kind of huckster. I mean, you you, we, you just mentioned at the start of this that he, uh, like, took his wife's backstory and said it as his own. But, like, we mean literally. Like, yeah. he literally said that his grandmother... Was Canada's first chiropractor? Yeah, which is
1: not true. Absolutely not. It true. It was his wife's grandma. That's his weird. His Ex-wife's grandmother. Like from a long. He's been married four times, dude. I mean, it's insane. And so, so this is this is the so-called co-owner of the diamond mine. And to be clear, this dude have fucking money, right? Like these kids were raised with a lot of money. I mean,
0: no, wait. When you say co-so co-own- so co-owner of the diamond mine, what do you you know? What well, do you mean? okay,
1: so the famous story that Elon Musk got all his riches from a diamond mine that his his father mm. co-owned in, well, well, the way people say it, they always say it's South Africa, actually in Zambia, um, which by the way, I believe had a socialist government at the time that um, he supposedly owned it. Uh, but uh, he, he did have some interest in a diamond mine, right? But let me ask you this, Liz, I own a diamond mine. Okay. Am I the guy selling the diamonds? Like door-to-door salesman? Well, not door-to-door, but, you know, to a guy, you know, the guy who buys diamonds, the Uncut Gems guy. I'm
0: so sad. I'm so fucked up.
1: No, probably not. Probably not, right? And no. so all of his stories about owning it involved some hijinks of him actually having to sell bags of diamonds, including a clearly fake story about Elon and Kimball selling a diamond to I believe Tiffany's for two thousand and then seeing it at eighty five thousand, which is supposed to illustrate how they learned about price bullshit. Oh, my God. Fake. Yeah, it's fake. Fake. Everything's fake. I mean, the guy is... This is a
0: long lineage of fakesters, hucksters, and chiropractors.
1: I mean, that's the thing, is the dad is clearly... I mean, you get this just from looking at the fucking guy, but he's a McAfee type, right? Mm. He's a huckster who's got some money and who's probably lost a lot of money and, again, shot three people... Uh, who he says were invading his house, although South Africa, so I I mean, actually it could be true, but he probably just shot the people and got away with it. Um, and, you know, he's 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 a sketchy fucking guy. Elon, to his credit, hates his father. Yeah, they have a really bad relationship. Really bad relationship. Um, there, is a, <laughs> there is a great uh, quote that his father emailed to a, a Rolling Stone during a profile of Elon. Um Uh, I think I think you should read it okay I was gonna make you do it but but okay now do not clip this I've been accused of being a gay (laughs) let me start that again but keep that in I've been accused of being a gay a misogynist this is actually okay this is true for me so far a pedophile a traitor a rat a shit quite often a bastard by many women whose attentions I did not return, and much more. My own wonderful mother told me I am ruthless and should learn to be more humane. I love my children and would readily do whatever for them. I guess that all rings true for me. Um, I mean, okay, so you call him a pedophile and, you know, there is some something about his father, you know, he is, he does have Woody Allenson's disease,
0: yeah, this is really this is really gross. He it, he recently fathered a child with his stepdaughter. Yes, from his second wife. Yes, at
1: seventy-two.
0: Yes, and the stepdaughter is thirty. Yes,
1: all correct. Yes, <sighs> yes, uh, that is that is that is true. And so Elon Musk, unfortunately, has I don't know what that makes. Is that a brother? That is a brother. Br- brother, brother. Brother, what? brother daughter. So Elon Musk does have a new uh, uh, sibling, I guess. I'm not really sure what you would call that. Um, but but yeah, Errol is a piece of shit. So, I don't need to tell you that everyone thought Elon Musk was, like, fucked up when he was a baby,
0: right? I know. That kind of makes me feel bad for him, and then Aye. I remember who he is. Yeah, I
1: mean, honestly, <laughs> me too. Yeah, his parents thought he was deaf.
0: I know. Yeah, he would, like, not respond to them when they called him, right? Yeah, Yeah. Which, that's... I'll be
1: real, I didn't either. What?
0: Really? I
1: didn't. I mean, yeah. Your parents call you? Fuck you. I'm smoking say. Oh, my God. Um, I, I guess he was younger than that. Everyone thought he was quote rude or really weird. I don't know where I put that quote from, but I think it's from the biography, <laughs> the Vance biography of him. Uh, I, but there are so I, I so I did read I'd read a biography of Elon Musk that is uh the Vance one right the Vance the yeah, Vance yeah. biography of that's Elon Musk. that's
0: very friendly to Elon very friendly got Elon. got a lot of access yes
1: yes absolutely and but it is a font of quotes that make him see he is. He, I mean, he was Reddit before Reddit. Yeah. He says that uh, his mind is the equivalent of a graphic chip, graphics chip in a computer. Mm. So uh, you're looking for your damn graphics card shortage. Don't blame the Bitcoin miners. Blame Elon Musk's gigantic fucking head. Uh, He says- uh, But he's a big head. He's got a big- well, he's got a whole big body now. Yeah, he's- He's not looking good. Well, I think he's stressed. Well, he's stress eating? That's what I'm saying. He said he doesn't eat much,
0: though. Well, but, uh, did you so see him at the, latest re- at the latest show? He's got a Donald
1: Trump's body type.
0: It actually does look... I thought it was... I showed you yeah, a photo of him, yeah. and you said, oh, is that
1: Trump? I literally thought it was Trump when Liz showed me a photo of him earlier. I mean, the man yeah, is... He yeah, he does not look good. So, he's obsessed with, like, science... You all know this if you're listening. You know about Elon Musk. You know that he's obsessed with science fiction. I want to be clear. One of the books... He always also always says he's a reader, but then he... He says the same books that he was into as That's a child. That's
0: a classic CEO move. Yes, yes, Because they're yes. not reading. And, and if they are reading, reading, they're just reading, like, you know, How to Make More Money by, you know, Burt Asshole yeah. Esquire.
1: Well, you know what else they also do is this is – because remember that fucking guy who did the – like, the YouTube course was like, I read, like, four books a day, but he just reads the first two lines of, like, every chapter. That's what CEOs do. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, by the way, I am show, selling a course on how to become a genius, by oh doing God. that. Uh, one of his favorite books is The Moon is a Harsh Mistress. Um, I have read that book and every Robert Heinlein book, except for like the incest ones. Mm. And Robert Heinlein was much Did you like, read
0: the incest ones?
1: Uh, I read one of the incest ones, but I mean, they're all... This one's an incest one a little bit too, but not like... <laughs> it's like incest, like his dad does incest, like it's not actually blood relations. Um Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, I'm sorry. That's just, I mean, that's true. It is incest, but it's not like blood incest. Uh, It's porn. incest. (laughs) So yeah, Moon is a Harsh Mistress is about a colony on the moon that uh, breaks away from earth and hurls large rocks at it in the hopes of constructing an explicitly libertarian society. So that is one of Musk's (sighs) favorite books. That's the colonization guy. Um, yeah. So he, I mean, he is, again, I have a lot of notes here about how annoying and nerdy Elon Musk is, but I'm, I'm going to cut a lot of that out and just tell you this. Imagine the biggest pedant and nerd pedant pedant. Okay. Well, don't be so pedantic. like that i was that was a test to see if liz was a little bit like elon musk herself but he was a nerd he was in a commodore 64 he was in a programming stuff he blah 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 blah. he was a fucking nerd um he uh, (laughs) this is a quote i do have to include because this is the most annoying shit ever when his siblings were scared of the dark he told them not to be afraid because darkness is just the absence of of light.
0: Oh my God! That's that's the that is
1: like the Reddit man. It, that it, exactly like he is Reddit. Anyways, he does in in his defense leave South Africa at seventeen because he doesn't want to serve in their quote fucking fascist army. Which you know, again, I think a lot of people would like it if he had, but he didn't. It doesn't appear that Elon Musk uh, really. Was a big fan of apartheid. And he goes to Canada where he chooses a college, uh, Queen's University, which he explicitly chooses because there's a lot of hot women there. Not knocking him for that. I don't know about Canadian party school kind of things, but, you know, that is clear that he did that. Uh, meets one of his uh, first romances there, Justine Wilson. And uh, he eventually gets a scholarship to the University of Pennsylvania. And after a while there, heads west. Out here.
0: California.
1: Well, grab your guns, your California
0: So I'm going to say a line here That I say on the podcast a lot Which is I want to pause here for a second You
1: motherfucker You <laughs> fucking I'm putting a quarter in the jar
0: We should have a little like pause. That doesn't sound right. Pause jar. Pause
1: jar? No. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. We should have a pause jar. Yeah. How do I do that? And so every time you say we should pause, we drop a pause load in it. And this uh, is terrible. Well, hey, we are in California. Yeah.
0: Okay. So I do want to pause here for a second. Yeah. We're in California. Now, Brace, you and I are actually raised in California. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about this morning, that this morning, because um, we said earlier, you know, we're out in L.A. We're all here together. Mm -hmm. I lived in L.A. for like seven years. Yeah. You've been down here for a little bit. It's a weird place. It is fucked up. Yeah. And, And it's like, and L.A. is very weird. California in general is like occupies a very strange space in in the kind of like american landscape
1: it's weird because it's like in washington and oregon you don't get this same impression because you only get the impression of misery Mm. but in california it really does feel like you just hit the end of the country right
0: well you literally i mean yeah Yeah, yeah, you literally have but it's always been that like i think there's like um I think it was teddy roosevelt he called it like the west of the west yeah like exactly. it's always been this kind of like final frontier mm-hmm. um and so many of the kind of vanguard at the front of america's sort of insatiable quest for freedom like have been in california there's a reason why i think the state acts as a kind of incubator yeah or um, kind of like what we've called like in the past on the podcast is like a proving ground.
1: Yeah, absolutely. like I think
0: that it's kind of acted in that way for the rest of the country. We talk about that a little bit sometimes. The Californication mm-hmm. of the country, Silicon Valley, obviously, uh, you know, plays a role in that. But in the past, it's been, you know, obviously companies like uh you know, Rand, all the Rand guys out here, or um Hughes Aircraft yeah. or um JPL. You know, g- absolutely. Um I you know I Hollywood. I've, yeah, I've said it before um I think I've said this before, but it's it's not a coincidence that America's two biggest exports uh, the culture industry and death weaponry come of age within a twenty-five mile radius of each other, right? Absolutely. And all of that happens um, here in California, and it's a very weird place. Yeah. Yes. Because yes. of that,
1: I mean, the whole country is fucking weird. But I'm telling you, L.A. is just like—I mean, it's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's the most lunatic zone I've ever been in my entire life, and I've been in a lot of weird places in this country.
0: Yeah, and it has a way, like I said, it's always at the front of things, you know, whether it's the 60s counterculture moving into the suburbs eventually, or, um, you know, suddenly there's an iPhone in your grandma's pocket. It's always happening here first. Um, The vast open landscape of this state has always been kind of a blank slate on which developers and technologists and movie makers and all those kind of visionaries like continue to project new like new designs or um you know where one you feel this kind of like fervent compulsion to just continually remake the future yeah almost in a cyclical like psychotic way and in that sense, like, it's also not strange that this is where so many, like, of cults are, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, That, you know, that also plays a part in the Tesla story, right? And, you know, we'll get into more of that in episode three. But all of that feels so part of the kind of California mythology, Um I don't. I mean, I think this is this is so cheesy, and I feel so cheesy for doing this. But Joan Didion does have this really good quote.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I
0: kind of hate myself for doing that.
1: Well, uh, listen, I'll be real with you. Uh, me and Joan have like a kind of weird history. No,
0: dude, I just feel that's so corny, <laughs> but it is a really good quote, and she says that California is a place uh, in which the mind is troubled by some buried and eradicable suspicion that things had better work here because here beneath that immense bleached sky is where we run out of continent. And it does feel that way. There's that kind of like, we have to make it, we have to make it like, no matter what, no matter what, no matter what. And that kind of energy propels what we, for whatever reason, call innovation in this country. Um I don't think it's good or healthy. <laughs>
1: no, I, I would say on a whole, the ideas and the people and uh, and the movements that have come out of California have been, uh, for the vast majority, very harmful to the rest of the world.
0: Well, yeah, because it's also, you know, if you believe that, you know, you are changing the world and that you are one of these visionaries that, you know, you have a kind of like uh I mean, at some point, it's like messianic drive to write the future and that you're doing this under the bleach sky of California. And if it's not going to work here, it's not going to work anywhere. Then you fucking don't believe there are rules. Yeah. Because if you're writing the future, then there are what rules could constrain you. None.
1: I mean, I've always thought of it as like uh, Charles Manson was just California letting the skirt up a little too high.
0: Absolutely. And, you know again, to drive that home, I mean, this is central to the Tesla story.
1: Absolutely.
0: You know, something to... we. This really does start in Los Angeles, which is odd, mm-hmm. because Tesla starts in Palo Alto, but we gotta start in Los Angeles. And something to understand about Los Angeles is that it's basically like a weird cradle like topog- topographically is that how you say yeah, topographically yeah, yeah, like yeah. it's it's this weird little like basket
1: yeah <laughs>
0: geologically where it's like it's like a little bowl like a cereal bowl like you had this morning
1: mm-hmm. don't tell them that i eat cereal <laughs> it's, i for some am i wrong because i think babies eat cereal and so i get embarrassed yeah, when you're I, big baby belden yeah well that's do not okay that is not okay to say i'm not big baby belden no citation for that one Please put that up. No okay. citation for that. Okay, one. okay,
0: okay. So it's this like bowl, right? And on three sides of it are mountains. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side is the ocean. Yes. Okay. And what's weird about it is because of that the the
1: bowl nature <laughs> uh-huh. The bowl type nature of this city.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the air just like sits. Yes. Yeah. And you don't really even though it's it's strange for a coastal city because it's on the coast, but it doesn't actually get like crazy sea breeze to clean out the air and no. so the air just like fucking sits and this was a huge phenomenon i mean it has been a phenomenon like he, uh, native americans like remarked on it i guess yeah but this was a big phenomenon i mean even at the you know beginning of the century the advent of the car just totally exacerbated this yeah in 1943 there was a day that the smog Got so bad that it got nicknamed Black Wednesday. And it was because it was literally blinding drivers and the paint was blistering off of cars. Huh. Um, like people's lungs burned. <laughs> like Jesus it was like Christ. really fucking serious. Yeah, yeah. And if you know Los Angeles, 1943, like this is five years, I think about f- five or six years prior to the LA Freeway Master Plan, which is what built the LA Freeway system. Yeah. Like, so this hadn't even been built yet, right? This is literally like dirt roads and buggy cars and, I mean, not buggy cars, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, but you know, it's
1: the 40s in L.A. too. It's like a million fucking people in town, people moving here because of the war.
0: Well, a lot of people moving in, yeah, and so a lot of development beginning. But there wasn't the huge highway system that people associate with smog in Los Angeles. Yeah, exactly. So, at this point, a lot of people weren't actually sure of where the smog was coming from, and they started regulating the power plants and the oil refinery to kind of, like, curb the emissions. Okay, fair enough. Didn't do anything.
1: But they couldn't figure out the—I'm telling you, dude, people were stupid until, like, 2009 or (laughs) something. This is a new thing we figured out. Everyone used to be very stupid. I'm just like, like, your car is belching black smoke. Well, the the thing that got
0: people really concerned was like business leaders, like business leaders, developers, everyone was like, dude, what the fuck? Like people are going to leave. And yeah. if you know anything about Los Angeles, you know that development is right at the heart of that
1: absolutely <laughs> city
0: story. Um, so all these guys got together, including, I think it was like the publisher of the LA Times or something. And these are the guys that actually passed the Air Pollution Control Act. Uh, this is basically the first type of any kind of government regulation on pollution okay. in the nation. And this is kind of like sounds boring history or whatever, but I, I, you know, what's really fascinating about this is I think people have a kind of idea about environmental regulations yeah. and environmentalists having kind of like a liberal progressive cause or whatever. No, there's industry makes strange bedfellows mm-hmm. and nothing tells us that story more than kind of the California regulators and the history here because while California like led the way it was a very odd coalition
1: yeah yeah one of many odd coalitions it looks like
0: the problem is however that the United States has many states
1: listen that's the way it should remain <laughs> So
0: there are business leaders in other parts of the country, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, specifically
1: Detroit. Oh, automakers, yes. right? Yeah, I'm a walking guy, so not I don't really mess with those guys, but
0: yeah. Now, California was petitioning the federal government to pass federal regulations, mm-hmm. but there are uh, like basically no other state in the country at this point had the kind of air pollution problem that yeah. le- that. California did.
1: Yeah, yeah, because there was like four people in every city, and they like ate dirt. Well, okay,
0: but also because of the the, cereal the bowl, bowl. <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah. Most of the country <laughs> is is I will say, stupefyingly flat, uh, especially the parts of the country where cars are made.
0: Because no one was facing the kind of air quality issues that Californians were, federal regulations were always going to be so much less than what California needed, right? Yeah. Because you got other business leaders, you got other people petitioning the federal government not to be as strong as California. And so what happened was a bunch of California leaders uh, got together to fix that. Leaders like, dun, 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 then Governor Ronald Reagan.
1: Okay, so don't let anybody ever tell you the Gipper didn't do nothing to help you.
0: <laughs> so at some point, Congress was debating a bunch of federal regulation standards, and yeah. Reagan could see that if the federal government adopted lax emission standards, that the California stronger ones would go out the window, right? Yeah. Because federal regulations always trump state regulations. Yeah. This would be a big problem for continued development in California, uh, continue the. F- Probably, you know, more more highways being built. Suburb, I mean, the suburban explosion that was happening. All of that, right? If no one can live in the shitty air, smog, burning lines, bullshit.
1: L A. LA. yes. Every
0: Wednesday, Black Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Not gonna happen. So, what is California gonna do? How are they gonna end up petitioning the government to get higher standards? Oh, they can't. But what they do figure out that they can do is create a very odd coalition. To get an exemption, mm-hmm. so that California can kind of have its own. Now, what do they do to get that? They team up with Southern leaders yes. and make a states' rights uh, claim.
1: Yes, we rise again.
0: Yeah, so it's like this strange regional fight where you've got like Midwestern Democrats battling it out with California Republicans. California got like five hundred thousand people to write angry letters to, which is a lot, by That's the way. That's a lot, yeah. To write angry letters to Congress demanding that they, uh, like, allow this exemption to happen.
1: And this is in the 60s, too, right? Like, when, like, the civil rights movement, all that stuff is happening in the South. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So it might come to, like, that's what I think is probably really surprising to people is that, you know, you think of this kind of, like, liberal California environmentalism as this, like, progressive baby But here, California lawmakers literally rallied against the auto giants and the politicians, invoking classic states' rights language. Like, are we now to tell California that we don't quite trust our own programs, that big government should do, you know, do it instead? Like, they totally leaned on that. Um, You know, they got a bunch of Southern Democrats to basically team up with them, for obvious reasons. Well, yeah
1: something ronald reagan would be use again later to his advantage yeah
0: totally and it and it and it worked and so it the the federal uh the federal emissions bill included a waiver for california meaning that california could basically grandfather in its own emissions standards it had its own little carved out exemption yeah and this is literally the reason why tesla exists
1: so right. You got Los Angeles and you got these decadent little piggies driving around in their big cars with their big tailpipes rolling coal. Well, they weren't actually rolling coal, but rolling coal is badass. Rolling coal around Los Angeles polluting it up. Uh, and you might think to yourself, what is the, uh, the last solution to the, uh, to, the, to the smog problem? Electric cars, right? They run clean.
0: Here's my thing. Okay, wait. Oh, I have great. You question. got a thing. Yeah. How come everyone just says, "Oh, it's electric, it's fine." Do, do people know like about the electric grid?
1: Yeah, you plug the uh it in.
0: But like, do people know about coal and like how much it contributes? to <laughs> Electric, i never understood this uh,
1: yeah I, I, it's a little unclear to me because it seems like a lot of the kind of people who like love electric stuff also don't like nuclear power which and mm. like that kind of stuff and so it's like i think it's i mean it's america baby you know who cares i can't see it doesn't exist
0: i mean look i'm not making i'm not passing a judgment i just never understood the it just seems like they haven't you know
1: like thought about that stuff well
0: you just gotta take it another level you know yeah what I'm saying?
1: yeah yeah, yeah. Well, anyway we, here's what we need electric power plants
0: <laughs> yeah, just
1: plug in the power plant exactly to a different power plant, like yeah. a, like a like one of those strips you got, you know? Yeah, you know yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like we
0: need a Russian nesting doll of power plants so large that we don't even know what
1: powers it. Exactly, and exactly. then we can just move on with our lives. God, not my fucking problem. Well, so you might be like, we got to fucking invent electric cars, which is uh, a thought that many people had. Mm. But you'd be surprised to know, and I'm not going to go really into the history here because I don't know how to drive. And so sometimes you get bored reading about cars. Uh, but electric cars have been around basically since cars have been around. 1800s, like until about the 20s, there was actually quite a lot of electric cars cruising around, American and, of course, German. <laughs> streets um it was like uh, uh, at some point there was like uh, actually some pretty big competition for 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 uh gas powered cars with electric but uh again that's a problem for another podcast not mine we're starting our story with a little guy named alan Cocconi. this guy's cool yeah 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 i'm a, I'm a Coconi guy he, yeah Cocconi 2012 you know here's what i'm saying the thing. Liz and I spent <laughs> I spent a little while trying to figure out to how he pronounced his name or like how other people. Okay, do. so
0: I don't know if that's. I think that's how you do it, only because I listened to an audiobook and that's how they said his name. But it's it's Ciccioni. Yeah,
1: right? but we're not Italian. Come on, I know, and I would sound stupid. Like, but you, I feel like you get away with it, but I would sound stupid saying
0: that. We need a mic. Can we get a clip from Michael Judge saying it?
1: So Cocconi is the son of two Italian f- nuclear physicists who came to America after the Second World War. I know what you're thinking. I tried to find that out. It I don't looks think like they are. They're fine. Yeah. I mean, his dad, like, worked on some anti-radar thing, mm. which I'll be real. The Italians did not have the most up-to-date military technology during no, World War II. So. that wasn't really their thing.
0: Really their thing. They're pa- they They're focusing on the
1: inside. Exactly. It's a, it's, a, it's a It was the war of the heart, not of the mind for them um really but, like the body <laughs> yeah 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 what a bodies they had uh, they come to america they actually do pretty well you know i th- believe the father becomes a professor at columbia they uh experiment with cosmic rays a bunch of other science stuff that i don't understand and spent too long trying to figure out mm. uh they uh i believe the father was actually helped set up seti which is
0: yeah You know what's interesting with that Wait, so I don't know if people know what SETI is.
1: It's the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. Honestly, though, they should keep searching for terrestrial intelligence because I haven't found any.
0: No, but what I was going to say is, you know who else was fascinated by this and said and claimed that he could communicate with aliens?
1: Lay it on me, baby doll. Nikola Tesla. Of course, Nikola Tesla too. I we talked about this earlier. There's actually was a big electric car hoax yes. about Nikola Tesla uh, from I think the starting in the 60s. But there are a lot of people out there. There are a lot of deranged blogs that I've read mm. that claim Nikola Tesla invented an electric car uh, in like 1920. There's
0: a lot of fun little kisses throughout this story. I have to say, little, little cosmic strange yeah coincidences.
1: So, the coconies moved to Nerd Central, Switzerland, to work at CERN. And, uh, again, they did a lot of shit that, I'll be real with you, I don't have the... Uh, if they were making shake-and-bake meth in Switzerland... I could explain to you what's going on with it. But they're working on parts for the on proton proton scattering and inventing parts now used in the large hadron collider, which is, by the way, because they're trying to summon a demon. But they're 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 they shun the press. They are not they're definitely not showboats. They're kind of lunch pail scientists working at CERN, and they have a kid named Alan. So Alan grows up in Switzerland. He's also Got the genetic nerd shit in him. He moves to the U.S. for college, a fantastic student and a little bit of an inventor. And uh, eventually, he he gets a job at a place called Aero Environment because of a pterodactyl. What? Well, you know, a pterodactyl, like the big ass bird. You know, like a it's like it's not a bird. The, uh, it's a dinosaur. Whoa! Well, oh, I'm sorry. The way I was taught is that if it flies but isn't like doesn't have a person in it, it's a bird.
0: Well, dinosaurs technically, you know, are I all mean,
1: birds. Yeah, exactly. Which is
0: very weird. I don't like that. Imagine if they went back and redid Jurassic Park, but they all had feathers. Yeah, very silly,
1: stupid.
0: Can you imagine? I, you got a big bird walking around. Velociraptor comes at me <gasps> covered who in feathers. Would
1: want to go to a theme park with just a bunch of big birds? Well, there's a lot of bird heads out there. But birds' spotting bird becomes heads? so easy because you're like, well, I don't even need the no, binoculars. No, you love
0: a you like a small, you know, cuz you, you know, you look through the
1: yeah, the little those are called binoculars. Thank Liz you. is doing the, the <laughs> thing instead of saying it for I the podcast. I couldn't think of the word. Binoculars.
0: Binocular, you know, you look through the binoculars for the small
1: bird, the small yeah. bird. Yeah, you're okay. not
0: like you're not going bird watching and it's fucking, you know, 300 tons. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I see the bird. I woke up. Who it's gives in a front shit. of me. Yeah, it's a Can't fucking miss it. it's, 50 it's the size feet tall. of a mountain. Yeah.
1: Also, you can, oh, can you, uh, no one's going to the bird theme park. No, I'm not going to the bird theme park. I'll tell you what, some days living in LA, the whole thing's like a little bit of a bird theme park. <laughs> what is that? That's uh, like a, uh, a horny British guy who moves here okay. to like, yeah. Okay. I don't like that. Well, I'm just, that's a guy. Anyways, Alan Cocconi gets a job at Aerodynamic, which is a defense manufacturer that also makes some other civilian bullshit. But, of course, it's L.A., so they fucking do everything. And they are making a pterodactyl. Uh, He doesn't want to work on weapons, he says. He wants to work on pterodactyl. And so uh, he gets a fucking job there making a big-ass pterodactyl for the National Air and Space Museum IMAX movie. Uh, they're impressed by this. They give him a permanent job and assign him the task of making the only car that Liz has ever driven, the Sun Racer.
0: Now, this
1: thing is cool. It's fucking baller. It's weird looking. Yes. Yeah. It's it's like, it it's like a- It
0: looks like a cartoon alien car. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know what it I mean? doesn't look like a car a human should be in.
0: Yeah. It's very weird um but it's very cool it it worked it's a solar powered race car
1: yeah yeah at the time i think they're actually still doing this but at, at the time i mean this is a little less impressive now they they were these contests held around the world and i believe this one was held in the australian outback uh, where where different companies, including the Hughes Aircraft Company, which is who built the Sunracer, um, owned uh, I believe by GM at this point, and Aero Environment, worked together to build a car that is entirely powered by solar panels essentially like it can mm. be just powered by going uh and kakoni is like crucial in inventing some of the technology that goes into this fucking thing he builds it i mean along of course with the team in like eight months and this fucking thing smokes it fucking wins like a motherfucker
0: yeah he comes up with this thing called the inverter which converts direct current to alternating current now i want to be clear this is still used in tesla today yeah because and spoiler is- alert cocony is crucial <laughs> in this company called tesla
1: yeah and uh that is a little inversion too on the classic australian combination of ac dc it's actually dc ac he flips it on its head So he's also crucial in inventing a type of regenerative braking that's still used in Tesla's today. It's not, of course, the first instance of regenerative braking at all, but his application of it in the Sunracer is still an application that's essentially being built upon by Tesla today.
0: So this thing was the Sunracer was a fucking hit.
1: Yeah. Like a huge hit. Fucking massive. People love the Sunracer. Uh, I mean, they toured the goddamn thing around the country. They made a movie about the fucking thing. I mean, it was every... And I'll be real with you. 1989, I was still in my dad's balls. But if I was a fucking school child at this point, my first apartment, if I was a school child at, at that fucking age and I saw this motherfucking car, I'd be like, what the fuck is this goddamn thing? I love this. Yeah, it looks like cartoon. Exactly. It looks exactly like a cartoon. And it is a goddamn hit. So GM is so impressed by his work on this fucking thing, they hire this guy to work on their electric car.
0: So thanks to the kind of Sun Racer being this huge publicity stunt for GM, they, like, continue to do more and more of these kind of big electric events yeah they debut a new car at the la auto show in 1990 called the impact which is another electric vehicle and like people go nuts yeah yeah they go nuts for it um gm did such a good job with the hype of this car and the response was so positive that the chairman of gm at the time robert b smith robert smith (laughs) he announces by the way against the uh, advice of his closest advisors which Mm. never good sign
1: never listen to your advisors well he showed up because
0: he announces that gm would mass produce the car by the mid 90s and california regulators who are so like you know dry mouth heaving from all the smog in la desperate for an electric car are like fantastic this is amazing we're gonna make it so that everyone has to make electric cars
1: and here's the problem: mm-hmm. no one could make electric cars. Yeah, yeah that that is that is slightly the problem. Yeah. What
0: they pass is what is ne- what is called the ZEV mandate, which is the zero emissions vehicle mandate. Now, remember how I mentioned that California has a waiver program? Yeah, yeah. So they were able to pass this, even though there's no federal regulations California was able to through the waiver program pass a mandate that all um, all auto manufacturers would have to sell certain percentages of electric vehicles at certain times in order to in their mind slowly transition or quickly transition the state to like all electric, fleet
1: california has this weight to throw around because california is one of the biggest states and it is filled with psycho Psycho regulators (laughs) including the kind of people that make it so that you have to have a fucking fin or some bullshit goddamn handle on your fucking gun which you can take off in two seconds if you're gonna do a mass shooting and you can only have 10 round magazines even though you can just drill out the little thing at the bottom and order a new spring and make it a 30 round magazine it's fucking stupid Which is like their electric car mandate.
0: Well, the other weird twist about this thing is that other states are allowed to opt in Mm -hmm. to California's regulations if they so choose.
1: Okay? So, I just want
0: to – we're going to leave that out there because it is true now that uh, I think it's like 13 states. Something like that. Have joined in the Z E V mandate, which, by the way, still exists. Um but okay, so, like I said, the goal of this mandate was to reduce all the, the local air pollution, which we've talked about, um, and because GM did such a great job with their fancy schmancy auto show, yeah, they're just like, fuck it, we'll do it. Now, th- the ZV is kind of a novel idea. Um, many podcasts have posed the question, mm. what is neoliberalism? Yeah. Many have tried. What I will say is the ZEV is a great example because what it does is says, ah, what if we incentivize the market to sort all of this out by requiring the sale of vehicles with entirely different technology than the gasoline vehicles on the road currently that are smogging everything up, right? The idea is slowly increase the percentage required to just gradually transition uh, everything to electric.
1: Yeah. Well, this obviously worked. I mean, I drove here in a Tesla today. It did not work.
0: I want to highlight one line in the ZEV that we will return to several times over the next some odd hours, which is, quote, small volume manufacturers shall not be required to meet the percentage ZEV requirements. However, small volume manufacturers may earn and market credits for ZEVs
1: they produce. Huh. Okay. Right? That uh, that seems like it might be important later.
0: So does this make sense? So yeah. the 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 idea is that all the auto manufacturers are required to not just produce but sell a certain amount of electric vehicles, so that in the state, yeah, uh, of their total sales, right? Um, and if they do not, uh, you know, if they exceed those. Um, If they're small manufacturers and they exceed those percentages, then they can kind of print credits that as they've carved out in this mandate that they may then sell or market to other manufacturers.
1: So say I'm a small manufacturer and I build, uh, you know, my entire fleet, let's say, is electric cars. And so I vastly overshoot the mandate percentage and I have all these vouchers. I can then sell them to you who is a big gas guzzling, uh, who makes the, you know, a Hummer H2 in yellow with a bunch of fucking bikini babes in it, car manufacturer. I can sell you my extra credits and you don't actually have to, you can use those instead of building electric cars? Yes. That is... And meet the
0: regulatory requirements, absolutely.
1: I've already exceeded my regulatory requirements for using ableist language on this show. But I'd like to say again, that is fucking retarded.
0: <laughs> well, th- the worst part is that from like, so from 1990 to 2003, uh, the, it, the thing that governs this thing is called the California Air Resources Board, which is called CARB. Which,
1: oh, okay. I get, works on a couple of levels actually. I thought that was very cute. Yeah. I thought
0: those were illegal in California. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're the ones who set the stringency of the mandate, um, The main idea is that 10% of all new car sales in the state were to be electric by 2003. The problem is the technology literally was not advanced enough. It
1: it, it wasn't, like, whatsoever. No, the
0: impact prior to that the sun racer these are
1: all show cars yeah i mean the sun racer was a goddamn solar panel race car yeah it's it's for (laughs) consumers exactly and and the impact was was pretty impressive but the technology i mean here's the thing is at these auto shows car manufacturers show off all kinds of shit and this guy just got a little too juiced up from the accolades and was like this thing's ready to fucking roll out uh, I mean, the technology was coming along, but it certainly was nowhere near enough to, to mandate these percentages at the time.
0: Yeah. And so basically, you know, regardless of what these agencies said, like this mandate is what you would call technology forcing. Yeah. Because it's attempting to force technology into being produced regardless of maybe what's possible, or what's available. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because, again, because this did not exist and the technology was not there yet, CARB,
1: CARB, I, I'm sorry, I'm just going to keep calling Carb, CARB. manufacturers? CARB. Subway, Jimmy John's. Leo, the resource board. Oh, okay, okay. I thought you were going to say car manufacturers. No,
0: CARB, the, the regulatory board, they had to backtrack a bunch on the regulations like multiple times over the years. Classico. Um, there was a ton of court orders to put the ZEVs on hold. Mm. Uh, CA regulators like they re- also really latched onto GM's EV1, which is a subject of the very bizarre and does not hold up well documentary "Who Killed the Electric Car."
1: I want I want to be clear if anyone has seen that because I think like a lot of people have seen that. It's sort of like loose change for people who uh, smoke like a, this indica. Mm. Uh, instead of sativa I don't really know the difference between those two so I I don't know but it's it's a it's a it's a documentary that a certain kind of person likes
0: dude Martin Sheen is the is the voice the narrator to give you to give the listeners at home an idea of kind of the vibe
1: I, we're I talking will about s- the the <laughs> lesbians in that. They're very cute. They, well, they're but they're so they central almost casting. seem like
0: actors, central yep, cast. Totally. Uh
1: but they were they were truly, I mean, uh, incredible to watch. Yeah.
0: It, it's it's a very weird documentary though. I think we bo- we both did rewatch some of it. I have to say it yeah, it doesn't hold up. I watched the whole motherfucker. But there is a kind of you did? Yeah. Oh. The kind of like late '90s, early 2000s vibe of celebrity environmentalism mixed with the Martin Sheen narration and the kind of like, you know, electric Rav Four, that that kind of culture and like um, that kind of politics. It's funny they keep they always they they I. I, I kept hearing the classic line we have to reduce our dependency on foreign oil yeah. i was like damn i
1: haven't heard that yeah. in a long time now we're energy independent baby america that's bitch. maga now you can't say yeah, that we huh? are, well i am fucking maga now <laughs> um, but uh but yeah that that is it's very much of its time and it, you know it's interesting too because it's like that I, I think a lot of people sort of think of that time period of like the late 90s early 2000s uh, kind of up until the exceeding the Iraq war, um, as this like politics was on like for like the left liberal whatever was like consumerism meeting environmentalism, right? Like mm-hmm. everything is ad busters or like. Uh, I, I I, whole earth catalog like, yeah. combination of the two and like that was it, it's it, that that makes it so of its time
0: yeah and I mean this is the culture that Tesla literally emerges out of yeah, yeah. I mean that movie is like pretty mad corny but it basically posits that GM killed the EV1 yeah spoiler alert well, they do um,
1: kill the mother. They kill the shit out of the EV one. Well, yeah, but the
0: the movie says that they that GM did it because they just wanted to produce more Hummers. Yeah, but that and like the gas guzzler. Yeah, yeah, gas yeah. guzzler.
1: I do remember the int- rollout of those Hummer H twos, and I was like, yeah. I've still never ridden in one.
0: Yeah, they're probably cheap now, right? Well, they're making electric ones now. Oh, f- lame. Um but they basically say that like it's like this idea that like the that Detroit just did not want to make electric cars yeah. because they just wanted to shove like oil down everyone's throat. Whoa. Um But the automakers were frustrated that the tech wasn't there. And it's specifically the battery tech that wasn't there. California had justified this aggressive mandate because of this huge song and dance that GM did with the Impact and the EB1, and they just assumed that if GM could do it at this show, then it was totally fine. No.
1: <laughs> it Wrong. was fake. It Wrong. was for
0: show. show. Um, and the reality is, like, it was such a niche market that, ironically, it may have been successful if only GM, like, pursued the electric. And they were able to carve out a niche thing and kind of, like segment off their own production capabilities so they could justify the kind of capital requirements that went into the R&D to push this in better because they had this like small little thing and it was just them doing it. But ironically, like because California and these fucking like self-satisfied regulators and little politicos mandated that all the companies compete with each other on this new tech to force it into existence the tiny market could never be viable. Well, wow. It could never make any sense. And so it ended up being this huge money suck. It ruined GM's strategy. It handcuffed all of the companies together. And so the whole thing, because of the mandate, like the whole thing had to be scrapped. But the one thing that ZEV did do is really help keep like little tiny guys in business. And one of those companies, notably... was AC propulsion.
1: So remember Cocconi, Alan Cocconi. Alan the Cocconi, mm. mm-hmm. my little my little Italian friend here. So he worked, of course, on the impact the EV1. He split GM. I mean, he was actually the guy that brought. He was brought in to p- build the electric drivetrain on that motherfucker. Right. So, but after a year after the 1990 auto show, he's out. He doesn't want to work there anymore. I think he that changing too much of his shit. He doesn't. And That's a common theme with people. From now on in this story, we're going to see a lot of people who invent something that's pretty simple and then an insane person comes in and changes a lot of things about it to make it work worse. So he clashes with GM over a bunch of different shit. He takes off and he starts a company called AC Propulsion, like Liz said, with a couple of other battery freaks. That's kind of how I think of these guys. So he hooks up with this former Chrysler employee called Tom Gage, and they spend quite a while working on various, like, basically electric projects. And the two main things they come up with, and this takes them quite a while to do that, are a a box that converts your Scion into an electric Scion Mm. and uh, (laughs) a little funky car called the T-Zero. The the, the T-Zero. No, the T-Zero. It's Italian. It's the Tizero. It's Greek. I don't know why the. <laughs> I don't know why these motherfuckers invent. I, do me a favor right now, listener. Uh, Google on your little cell phone there. The the, the it's T. Z-E-R-O
0: Yeah, the T-Zero It's a it's a fun little car It's this Zero It's supposed it's to be a, Zero It's a divorced guy's sports car
1: Okay, don't do a spoiler right then Yes, it's a divorced guy It literally does become a divorced guy's sports car yes so invent this fucking electric car and this is i mean I, uh, listen like liz was saying they pulled all these other goddamn evs you know gm pulled all the or, or electric vehicles they, oh, they yeah. pulled the ev1 that shit's off the street and so now they
0: blammo smashums
1: bye-bye uh, uh this thing is uh, first of all why are people driving yellow sports cars in the 90s that was like a huge thing then. the t0 is always yellow yeah why yellow I don't know.
0: It's not a great color. It's the color of urine. It's an odd. I, maybe it was like that's
1: like a it's Lamborghini
0: kind of. I know, throwback. but still,
1: I don't get it. And that might think no know. one would confuse it with the Lamborghini. Certainly not. It is a sports car, though, and uh, and 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 these guys are producing them in very very limited uh, quantities. I mean, at this point, AC propulsion is not, and it's it's still around, I believe. AC propulsion is not a car company. They are a company that kind of makes. A few cars in very, very, very limited, basically handmade numbers. And then does, I mean, the bulk of their work is this, like, uh, electric box conversion for other normal cars. Uh, but at this time, you know, we're talking, we're, we're up to the early 2000s here. What's happened in the early 2000s in a little place called Silicon Valley, Liz? Uh,
0: tech companies. Dot com. Dot com. Dot boom. Oh, yeah. Boom and bust. com. Oh everywhere
1: yeah and a little fucking freak named martin eberhardt actually i i'm my bad martin you kind of got the short end of a lot of sticks so i'm not gonna he's call you a fucking freak he's still weird as fuck though yeah. like no disrespect but you are weird as hell if you are listening to this uh he gets divorced from his wife okay classic Martin Eberhard move and he's driving around. He spent, actually he gets divorced from his wife and then he does he spends the next eight months researching uh, the best way to power an electric vehicle. <laughs> uh, he had sold a, uh, a e reader company for 128 million. Oh, yeah, Classic. which is insane!
0: In- yeah, Nouveau Reader, which Nuvo I don't think that,
1: region. yeah, it doesn't sound, no, I, I, I don't believe anyone is reading off a Nouveau reader today, um, but he's driving around, he sees all these Scions, or excuse me, these Priuses, which he calls dorkmobiles, which, all right, okay, buddy, parked in people's cars next to like, or parked in people's drivers next to like Porsches, and his brain is like, what if I could combine these?
0: Like, I'm at the Prius, I'm at the Porsche, I'm at the combination Prius-Porsche. Exactly,
1: yes. Got it. He, the man decides to, to, that he needs something that's sporty that's a little sexy that can maybe help him meet a new woman to divorce several years later he needs a sports car that's electric he sees one of these yellow sports cars buzzing around <laughs> with a very limited range and, uh, and he goes down and he fucking talks to these motherfuckers at AC Propulsion and says, Listen, fellas, I will give you $150,000 if you use a lithium-ion battery. All right, that's not exactly how it went down. But he, he agrees to invest one hundred and fifty k in AC Propulsion if they'll try out powering their cars <laughs> with lithium-ion batteries.
0: Now, I just want st- to... Okay, it's not just the idea of using lithium-ion batteries. It's literally taking a bunch of old ebook reader batteries piling them together
1: and then powering a car sounds fine to me people have done crazier stuff in the past but kakoni's like dude i don't want to build a fucking car company he's like i'm a nerd
0: yeah, he's like, no, he's just Mr. Brainiac.
1: He's like, I would like to tinker, sir. Mm. Uh, please don't <laughs> disrupt that.
0: But Eberhard, like, literally does. Because he's Silicon Valley guy. Fuck yeah, he's dude. He's freshly divorced. Yeah. He needs
1: a new company. We've said this motherfucker's divorced like <laughs> ten times. <laughs> if you and Mar- It Eberhard's- feels central to the story. I, Look, there's yes. a lot of divorces in this a story. A lot of divorces happen. This is actually the least acrimonious divorce I could find in oh, this absolutely. whole episode. Many pages of notes that but we have Eberhard for this. But
0: hooks up with this guy, Mark Tarpening, who's his buddy. Uh, this guy worked for a little company called mm-hmm. Textron.
1: Oh, sounds good. What do they make? Just uh, uh, armored cars, and stuff yeah, like that. In Saudi Arabia. Okay. Uh, <laughs> sounds good. I have this in the notes. Uh, it has no bearing on the story, but they played Magic together the Gathering together many times. There's mm. a lot of gaming. That goes on throughout the history of Tesla. And this is the first instance of gaming that I can find. Um, but uh, but they are super fucking juiced on this. They're like, we're going to build a car company. They'd work together, I think, at Nuvo Reader at some point. And uh, so they go to the 2003 auto show in Los Angeles with Tom Gage in tow. And uh, they meet the Lotus car manufacturer. So Lotus is like a British, like fancy car. I mean, it's like where you're like, well, I need to go with me mate who works at BBC and go to the fucking uh, hospital. And then, uh, well, you know what happens next. And no one catches me for a long time, even though I'm friends with everybody and everybody knows about it. That's what you do in your Lotus. You feel me on that? Yeah, it's
0: a very niche rich guy car.
1: Exactly, and and so they they they're like, listen, Lotus, give us the body of the Lotus Elise. Mm. We'll make an electric car with it, and we because we they can't manufacture their own cars. They don't have a factory here, so they basically employ Lotus or contract a Lotus mm-hmm. to build this electric car on the body of an Elise.
0: I mean, it's literally the body of an Elise that they just put an electric battery in. Mm-hmm.
1: So okay, they're gonna license this electric drivetrain. From AC propulsion, right? They're basically going to elect. They're going to contract to two different places. Mm. They're going to. They're going to. They're going to get the fucking electric shit from goddamn AC propulsion, and they're going to get the car itself and the manufacturing of the car from Lotus. Mm. And so, with this in tow, Mark and Martin start their little company called Tesla. But wait, I thought Elon started Tesla. Well, not he's not exactly in the picture yet. Mark and Martin are rolling around Silicon Valley looking for some money bags. They run into two close friends of the podcast, the Google founders, Sergey Brin and Larry Page, who are like, listen, we're a little illiquid right now, uh, but our friend Elon has a lot of money. Why don't you hit his ass up? So over email, because these guys are fucking... Who's using email in 2004, by the way? Over email... J.B. Strobel, a friend of Elon's, makes the introduction to Mark and Martin. And the rest is history. Well, technically, it's also going to happen literally later in the podcast series we're doing on this, but it's it, from our vantage point right now in the future of 2021, it is history. Uh, and Elon Musk, with that fateful email, founds Tesla. <music>
0: Next time on On presents the lamest show on earth. Autonomous cross country trips. From New York to Los
1: Angeles. And then poof, no
0: one's like, hey, wait, what happened to that?
1: The only supercharged network across this land is when you're on heroin and you're like, hey, can I use like the charger, like the power station in here <laughs> at a Starbucks? But the
0: crucial point is like if people really wanted that to exist, it would have to come from the government.
1: We don't have enough time to get into the Hyperloop because I'm going to get uh, a little too hyperloopy myself. Uh, what I think he should have done is just purchase the rights to the shitty men in media list. Hey, here's a rating. Wrong-o. I mean, we got the robot taxis, we got the fucking SpaceX making the ventilators, yeah. I mean, yeah, his little submarine, the man's a moron.
0: It, yeah, it's an incredible, incredible skill. Uh, f- fact check is, stop being a bitch about it. Okay, ha ha ha. Yeah.
1: Who's the pedant now? Mm-hmm. I know your secret. I know about your house parties. I know about the cakes. I know your secrets. I talked to a couple of people.
0: Yeah. My man loves to fake a presentation. And what he would do here is he would actually just build these
1: fake supercomputers. There's a quote here that I'd like you to read in your least racist accent.
0: My mentality is that of a samurai.
1: He does have the psychopath's work mentality. He is a brand freak. And his brand ideas fucking suck dick and balls. Who names a kid Kimball? Is that a name? I don't drive. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to drive. No, me Uh, either. So, I want to be clear here. Thick head of hair up here, right? But then, something strange happened in this next venture. Xcom. No, x.com. Okay. (laughs) Which
0: is this stupidest thing I've ever heard. Exactly.
1: I'm sorry. This dude rules. This is the greatest scam I've ever fucking heard. You can just say you made a car and people will give you money. Elon Musk. You don't Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Elon